Welcome to Trapping Inc. Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich, and uh, today I have a very special guest with me. We are at the uh, National Trappers Association Convention in Escanaba, Michigan. This is year number 59, and my guest is Jeff Dunlop of Dunlop Lures. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, that's awesome. It's pretty exciting that you asked me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said yes, because uh, we've we've known about uh, your lures and, and product uh, for years. We, we don't uh, see a lot of it in Canada, but it it has it uh, certainly had reputation. And I know you have quite the reputation within the, uh, the in- industry. Tell me, how did things get started for you as a trapper? Um, I was raised into it. My dad, uh, uh, when he was a young boy, uh, I think like probably eight nine years old my grandma bought him uh a dozen uh traps and he got started and then you know he had his whole history and then he got uh that's how i yeah, i got into it was my dad at that point when he, my grandma bought them traps it's you know been a two generation you know story and uh i was just i was just raised into it uh you know i got pictures when i was a little bitty boy um you know, with big piles of mink and, you know, I'm sitting there. I don't even remember any of it, but, you know, I see the pictures and it's me in the pictures. And, uh, but I just, I had just gotten some new pictures from my brother that he'd gotten somewhere and, uh, some people had sent them and, uh, you know, I was in the pictures and it was, it was, it, cause my dad passed away in November and, uh, you know, it was kind of special to get them pictures and, you know, see my own history. Oh, no and, kidding. Uh, but I was, you know, in a nutshell, I was just right. I was born in, into it and. Yeah, I don't know anything else. So when your dad started out, was he a long-line fur trapper? Was he in animal damage control? Don't imagine there was much of that back then. No. um, He ended up going into that somewhat, not like it is today. Um, But he was just, uh, you know, started off as a young boy uh, trapping. And it, you know, uh, just, it was in his spirit to to trap and uh, he would go out and catch muskrats and then he got interested in fox and um he you know just it just was a, a building thing with him and he was working at a shop and uh he had i think me and my brother at that point and him and well him and my mom would go up north we lived then in southern michigan we'd uh him and my mom would go up north and he'd just ride up and down the roads looking for fox tracks and he said that uh He'd be setting because he was self-taught basically in the beginning, and uh, he said he'd get out and see a fox track, and he'd set a trap, and uh, he wasn't catching no fox. But he was—they weren't uh, fox tracks; they were, you know, snowshoe tracks. You know, so he. You oh. know, but I mean, that's you know <laughs> one of the things that he went through, and uh, but he uh, worked at the shop, and he said that uh, he told him if you lay me off. And because fox were just, fur price was just coming up in the early 70s, you know, before the big fur boom. He told him, he said, if you lay me off, I'm never coming back. And he was one year away from getting his journeyman card. And uh, they laid him off. And, you know, he just said, I'm going to be a professional trapper. And he bought, you know, started buying fur. Um, and uh, he was, you know, like any other business, you're small when you start and then you get bigger. And, uh, he's, you know, got up to where he bought for, for Hudson Bay the last two years that they were in business. And, uh, you know, so he was always proud uh, of that. Not that he was involved in them going out of the fur business, but, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, especially with the, the history of Hudson Bay, you know, I mean, we all know that history and just to have your little tick of it, you know, meant something to him. It means something to me, you know? 
That's very cool. I, I got the skin cone for Hudson Bay Fur Company. He get pay, paid, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. I I remember when I was a kid, you know, going in Hudson Bay was where we sold our fur to, and where we got traps and all that kind of stuff. So, it's a very big part of of, of our history, especially in Canada. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm proud of my my little tick. You know, yeah. it, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. But my thing is, is uh, I'm proud to be a trapper. I wear shirts out in public. You know, a lot of people. You know, not most trappers are proud to be, but I'm really proud of it. And uh, I, I, I got a shirt that I wear. I'll never apologize for being a trapper, and it's in big white letters on the back, and I don't care who sees it. You know, so um, you know, and I'm proud of that. Well, I tell you what, I mean. You can see what we wear. I mean, oh, yeah. trapping ink. It's it's it, there, there's no question. We when we started our show uh, four or five years ago now it's going on. At the time there was a, a show that was very big on uh, on the mainstream TV, um, Swamp People. Yep. And watched it, and you know they they were gut hooking these these gators and and jerking them in on the line. And I realized a lot of it is knowing what I know about TV. I know that a lot of it is manufactured, but all the same. I said, you know, and compared to that, we're pretty normal. You know, it's time that somebody really showed the truth about about trapping, and that, and I can at the time I, I was doing a, also doing a hunting TV show, and we ended up doing that for a total of uh, of nineteen years. But I had a partner in that hunting show, and he was very much against us starting up a trapping show because he he felt that it was far too controversial to be on TV. But no, I won't apologize either. But my whole idea is, 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 and I think you probably feel the same way, is that it's the only difference between the perception of trapping and the truth of trapping is education. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. You know, they, uh, because most of the people that are uh, opposed to trapping never trap. They don't know anything about it. They've never been around people. It's like today here at the NTA. I mean, there's tons of people here, and lots of them don't trap. They're just the people on vacation and stuff. And, uh the thing is that maybe a lot of these people here may never ever trap then and they probably won't but they all walk through they've seen the fur they've met trappers and them people even though they're never going to trap are not going to be against us and that's the thing is is like you're saying with the education even if a person never is going to trap if we don't they're they're not an enemy they might not be a trapper but they're not going to ever oppose us on it well because mean, we're, they can see that we're not the devil here's the deal I mean, it's with any polarizing subject out there, whether it's trapping, horse racing, or, or eating marshmallows, 10% are for it, they do it. 10% are against it, nothing's ever changed in mind. So we battle for the hearts and minds of that other 80%. And one of the things that we've uh, found was, was so different, because when we started our TV show, I was kind of maybe looking for a fight. Mm -hmm. I, I, I got to confess that I was kind of maybe looking for a fight. But we have not, I mean, the number over over uh, four and a half years now, the, the number of uh, aunties that have ever contacted us, I could count on, on one hand and, and have a thumb and a couple of fingers left over. Yeah. That, 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 that's the truth of it. And we've done uh, seminars and that in, in very busy places like in, in Canada, the left coast, Vancouver is one of those places where fur is a bad deal, according if you, if you follow mainstream media and that. So when we were invited to go do seminars in places like that, we were very concerned. And we spent time, you know, making sure that we were on top of our game on the media training and all that kind of stuff. And we get there and it's not that way at all. You have all these people talking to you and they're all so very interested in it. And I said to Sandy, you know, they can't all be trappers. And they, they weren't because I started asking them. 
And it turned out that probably 80% of our fans, 80% of the people that watch the show aren't trappers, which was awesome because I'm pretty sure that any trapper that knows about our show is a, is a fan. Yeah. But if talking to them is preaching to the choir. Well, here all of a sudden I wasn't even preaching in church. I was preaching on Main Street when because we had all of these people that, that were so excited about the lifestyle and, and about trapping and that. And it, it's it's been a revelation for me. But there is a lot of people that are very interested in it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have tons and tons, like people would probably think, of uh, problems with antis. Usually if I'm going to have trouble with the antis, like on Facebook, something like that, it'll be like a really bad situation that is – a one-time deal where like 20 of them start attacking you something like that but uh you know it isn't usually like messages uh you know like one at a time they they travel like in packs the worst time i ever had was uh being a proud trapper um i take pictures of my family and stuff and like my granddaughter and i had her on there with i think it was a weasel or a coyote or something we had and you know, she's really involved, and she calls herself Weasel Killing Aubrey, and, you know, she's only six <laughs> years old, and, uh, you know, and, uh, but the, I put her picture up on my Dunlap Lures site, and uh, the antis got it, and they said that uh, they felt it was all right to uh, attack her and say such vicious things that I would never say about any child, uh, which really upset my daughter. But they said because I was using her for advertising. I was just putting uh, my granddaughter I love uh, up on there, and, uh I went on uh, my uh, trapping forum on Facebook and, uh, t- and put up what they put about my granddaughter. And I'll tell you what, the trappers come to my aid on that, and they started attacking them antis. And that lady was begging for me to call them off. And I said, you know what? You set the dogs loose on you. Yep. You got yeah, – I can't – I mean, once you put a rabbit pack of dogs on somebody, you can't pull them off, and I'm not going with anyway, so – but she she wanted no more part, and they I haven't heard a word a peep out of them. They took the picture down, and you know. But the, the thing is, is them people were not from North America. Uh, they were from overseas. Yes. And uh, you know they don't even know nothing about our culture. You know, it's nope. like like we were talking about. You know, you we were talking about going. Uh, uh, was it big? You know, uh, sheep hunting. Yes. And. I don't know. Like I see, you were talking about how you were going to be walking. I said, yeah, yeah, they don't it's walking sixty miles. But you know what? Like you said, I, you know, you had to be raised into it. Yep. I don't know anything about that culture. Whether I was for it or against, it, I wouldn't make an opinion on it because I don't know that culture. Them people are making a, a judgment call on our culture out of a, a sense of a high moral standing that they know nothing about. It's emotion based, and they're not allowing uh, uh, the facts to get in the way. No. You know, no. and that—that's the the thing. I don't let the facts uh, mess up a good story on their part. Yeah, you know? exactly. And when, whenever I've had to deal with them, either in person or or through email or whatever, most often I ignore them. Yeah. Because if you feed them, then they then they all just circle like a pack of hyenas, and they just, the pack just keep keeps getting bigger, and they never once ever pay any attention to the truth. You know, so I. Don't give them the ability to preach from my pulpit, which is, you know, on my Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I, I just get rid of them. I just, there, there's no sense. There are lots of people, though, that, that approach me in other ways, and they say, look, I'm not anti, but I'm not sure I'm for it. Yeah. And those are the people that I talk to and explain things yeah. to. You know, we, <laughs> we have situations where trappers are the, the last line of defense between the animals and, and civilization. And 
as things like uh, beaver populations and coyote populations that explode, they become more and more important. All of a sudden, people, you know, are uh, much more appreciative of trappers. It's like the old saying that there's there's no, never, no atheists in a foxhole. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> there's, there's people that are that are anti fur and that aren't aren't so anti when when Fluffy just got backed off by yep. the coyote, right? Yep. Yep, and uh, I talked a lot. I don't, I don't, I do some once in a while. Do uh, like a predator damage stuff, uh, but I don't do go on a. I don't have like an ADC business where if somebody has a raccoon in their attic or something, I don't do that. But I talk to a lot of them guys, and they'll always be like, uh, you know, people call up and say, "Well, do you hurt the animal?" Well, is you have to, you have to euthanize them. You can't transport them. Well, I don't want that. All right, we'll leave them in your attic chewing up and you know yeah. go in the bathroom all over. No, just come and do what you got to do. You know, so yeah. their high moral ground is only high until it's a problem for them. You know, and then it's all right to kill kill the raccoon or the you know beaver or whatever. You know, so. You, and you, you have you have so many people that are that way. Look at the the what the blow up over Cecil the lion, the fellow who went hunting in Africa and all, how those people were carrying on. They have no idea what's involved in in uh, wildlife conservation in Africa, but they all felt that that was just the worst thing that was ever. I mean, they were even talking about Cecil Lyon's brother, the, the another lion that was a brother, whatever, and gave it a name, and yeah. Jericho or something. And it, it, it was, got that, to, was that the guy that is a, he's a, was a dentist? Or? He's a dentist, yeah. 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 Um, Mr. Palmer, I believe. He ended up, uh, you know, through a, a very legal act uh, of hunting in that and being absolutely ostracized and attacked, his business was ruined and everything, and it was all over a bunch of, uh, of false hypocrisy. You know, he, he nobody broke any laws, uh, and uh, he, he uh, didn't do anything uh, wrong in the way he hunted or anything else, but these people just built it into something that, that they could attack him over and, and destroyed him. Yep. Yep, uh, it was it was horrible. I mean, it, and the thing is, is what they do is they put up uh, the like you said we were talking about. They don't use the uh, the facts on it. It's just false propaganda. And uh, and and I just being one hundred percent honest, I really don't care what he did because uh, uh, I don't live there. I always had kind of had the policy. Of, I only worry about if it's ain't affecting you know where I live or my stuff, you know. And if people more people would do that, I mean, if you live in in Europe. Well, don't come to start telling me in America what to do, you know? Exactly. I mean, this is Donald Trump country. Yeah. You know? <laughs> God bless Donald. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, for instance, we talk about, you know, living in Europe and that. In the Netherlands, they have a huge problem with muskrats. Yep. And, of course, when, when the vast majority of, of your uh, country depends on a, on a dike to, to stay above the water level... A burrowing water animal is a, is a bad deal. Yeah, they pay um, government trappers to kill four hundred thousand muskrats in a year, and then because it's Europe and they can't have use for that fur, they incinerate them all. Yep. Yeah, because I had looked into going. I wanted. To, I thought it would be neat to go to another country. So I I got a hold of Alan Hewat from WCS. And I was talking to him. I looked into it before, but he finally gave me the final answer. I wanted to go over there and trap muskrats, and the muskrat market was going up, you know, at that point, um, like, uh, I think 2010, 11, maybe yeah. nine, it was just starting to, it, they'd got up to like seven, eight bucks in uh, American, 
and I would looked into going over there because I thought it'd be you know neat to go travel another country and a, you know a rising a rising rat market. And uh, he said he finally told me he says you can't keep any part of that. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, what? How many rats do they catch? And he's telling me, and I'm like, and they're doing what with them? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you'd have hit me in the head with a club, I I couldn't have been any more shocked. Well, I mean, here we are. We're supposed to be these bloodthirsty trappers, right? We're we're these wild savages and all that. And to me, it, to kill 400,000 animals and then incinerate them is godless. Yeah. Like, I mean, not to have a use for them. I mean, it's bad enough that you have to yep. that, that, that you have to have a call on, on that scale, but you've got to use it. Yep. 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 They, uh, I mean, it would be no, I mean, if you look at the whole thing, if, if they did that with, you know, uh, cattle or horses or dogs or anything, there would be outrage over it. But, I mean, other than our... What we think, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, in a biological terms between that muskrat and uh, you know any any other animal. I mean, you know, so I mean, so why why incinerate them and not get a use out of them? Well, I mean, and, and plus, I mean, you see the ads where people are starving to death. They could, you know, uh, would they have a cannery and you know can that muskrat meat? I mean, that's all edible. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I mean, like with the French Canadians, I mean, they eat, eat muskrats. I mean, they you know, you know, and, and down in Louisiana, they buy muskrats and meat and buy it so exactly exactly but i mean it's even worse they they have uh, a problem with the gray leg gooser and i i know a fellow who's who uh works for a company where they when they go through the yearly molt they can't fly so they take and they herd them out of the canals and that and into these um cattleways that basically that are made out of out of uh, wire and fence and that and they march them into the back of a semi and they gas them well there was a little bit of a, a of a big uh kerfuffle over it because when people found out they were being gassed well that brought up the old the war and, and auschwitz and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff well they discovered they were gassing them with carbon dioxide it was perfectly legal it was all done i mean there's many animals that are killed with carbon dioxide but that was eighty thousand gray-legged geese that they did that year and those were all incinerated well now goose meat is is wonderful meat yeah but once again, they, they couldn't have a use for them, right? Yeah. No. Isn't that ridiculous how far you can go to, to justify your your agenda? And, and them are the same wackos that want to tell us what to do over here. Yeah. You know, that... Uh, you how know, to behave. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like they should just worry about their own problems over there. You know? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so tell me about the lure business. How did that start? Um, my, my dad started uh, making lures in... Uh, like uh 1969 1970 and uh it wasn't you know at the scale was is today uh, but you know there's always a starting point in a business where it's small and you know you either you know get bigger or you know you, uh you know you just fade away and uh he got you know pretty good size doing it and got a uh, pretty good reputation you know for making quality baits and lures and stuff and then uh you know he went through and uh, was just starting to get, you know, pretty successful doing it in uh, more of a national level. And, uh, and then 1987, the, it was, you know, the fur, the fur market dropped and we, he was buying for fur for Hudson Bay then. And they called and said, uh, you know, we, we want our, our check. We're going to come and pick up the fur. We're going to need our checkbook back. And he said, uh, you know, well, what's going on? We're done. And, uh, you know, that's when they got out of it. And, uh, so, he had the you know the lure business and everything, and he tried to do it for a couple more years afterwards. But he had uh, six kids, you know, three boys, three girls, and uh, so he had to find something else to do because I mean, 
when you can't sell no fur, nobody wants to buy no lures, you know, right. then because it's different now. A lot of people get into it for as uh, a sport. Then it was, you know, those those guys were, uh, you know, uh, more into it just for the money. Right. And, uh, you know, because there was money to be made. I mean, we all have heard stories about guys that went out and bought brand new trucks with what they caught, yep. uh, you know, put themselves through college, bought uh, down payments on home. You know, in today's market, uh, you know, the way things are, it's a lot harder to do that. You it know, is. so, um, so he he got he would go to a few shows, but he backed off the national level and he'd sell locally and stuff. To, you know, just in like our we had a bait shop and we got more into the wholesale and stuff, uh, selling live bait and uh, and uh, so we just sold minimal lures. And then uh, I decided, uh, I don't know, it was about probably twelve, thirteen years ago. I just said, you know, uh, we and we trapped during that whole period of time, um, and uh, I just said, you know, I just want to get back into it. That's my my roots, and I knew a lot of the, you know, uh, deal, dealers like uh, Keith Winkler and Gerald Schmidt knew my dad, and Tim Cava knew my dad. So it was just a like a natural flow back into it. It's it's uh, the trapping. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've cut brush. Uh, you know, I've only had one job working for somebody else for a week and, uh, making pallets. And I thought, you know, this ain't for me. <laughs> so, you know, I've been basically self-employed my whole life and, uh, bought deer hides and, but the only thing in my whole life that I've ever felt like a call, like it was almost like God put his hand on me and, uh, was the trapping industry and, uh, making baits and lures and trapping and, uh, you know, when you got that on you and, uh, it's just a natural thing. Uh, you know, it just, it has to work out. Yeah. Things, things come a little easier and I, and, when, and, when you have that confidence. And, and, and I don't, and I don't quit real easy. My yeah. daughter said sometimes maybe I should quit, but I, you know, yeah. I just, I just don't, <laughs> I can't, I, you know, it's like a mental defect. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know nothing about the lure industry other than skunk smells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Well, you can find them pretty easy here yeah, today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty interesting walking through some of the. You can tell when there's a, a lure manufacturer in in a building because it's got that particular uh, uh, fragrance. Yeah, yeah. What is you know what are some of the uh, the major stumbling blocks or the biggest the, the hardest things to overcome when you're when you're making baits and lures on your your scale? Um, the the big the hardest thing to do is. Uh, to come up with uh, the in, uh, quality ingredients to be able to do it, because um, like the amount I sell, you know, today, um, to be able to come up with the muskrat meat and have the connections to be able to get the meat and to be sure that you know you're getting it, and even like buying like glycerin, um, there's different grades of the glycerin. I am no glycerin expert, but uh, you know, you get some and it's like real soupy, and then you get some that's uh, like almost like a more of a syrup. And the thing is, if you buy, you know, the one and you're making a lure, and, and uh, if you buy the real soupy one and you, buy, you make a lure, uh, it's going to be di a different consistency than if you buy the thicker one and make that same lure. And the thing is, is when somebody's buying your product out of a catalog, they want to get the, it, it has to be the same consistency. It has to be the same product every time they buy it. So, Quality control is very yeah, important. Yeah, so... You know, because, I mean, they don't want to get it, and it's real thick this time, real runny. And sometimes it does do that because it's just of the breakdown with the weather. Sometimes uh, if you're using, like, uh, 
you know, say gator oil, when it's colder, it's going to be a solid like Crisco. And uh, when it warms up, you know, it's going to be a liquid. So you're going to have some of that, but, you know, uh, you, I, you want to have quality control on this stuff. But just to be able to get the ingredients in large amounts, in, you know, is, is a, a building process. Because so, it's hard to get in and have all these connections oh. to be able to get all this stuff and figure it all out. You know, and I had a, an uh, upper hand on it more than a guy just starting out on his own. I had my dad with all the years. And, uh, you know, now I can't call him. But, you know, I, you know, in, in different things that you uh, experience going to conventions and stuff, you know, he's already had already seen it. So I had, uh, you know, uh, kind of a mentor where I'd say, Oh, you know, had a rough day today. You know, just somebody to blow off steam with that you could trust that had your back no matter what. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. so so that just that alone uh, helped me. You know, uh, get the whole thing figured out. Yeah, well, it, that, that's a major shortcut. There's no question yeah. about that. So, just rough number: how many pounds of muskrat meat would you use a year? Um. Probably five to six fifty-five gallon drums. You know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know. That's just for one of your baits. No, that's that's you know for probably all the baits. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I mean, you make many baits and lures. Yeah. You know. there, there's so many other things that you have you know. to have to yeah, uh, you, search out. You know, you know, and the bases and stuff are all important because uh, you know, guys can make uh, you know, real good lures at home and stuff. You know, I mean, uh. I mean, but the, a lot of times what happens is, is, say you take a piece of uh, venison that's raw and you throw it in a hole. Mm-hmm. I mean, them animals are going to eat that. But, you know, there's going to be certain attractants that are more attractive at certain times of the year. Um, and, like, you take that venison throw it in the hole. Well, it's, it's starting to decompose. Let's say you don't catch a coyote for 10 days. Well, what you – what and he, the thing is, is was he, he was attracted to it at that point at that 10 days of rotting down, you know, so if you're going to go reproduce that exact same thing, you know, you have to know what the, you know, where that meat was at that point when that coyote was interested in it. And that's the, the, you know, that's the part that you're, you know, when you buy it off of a commercial guy, you know, you're taking his knowledge and a lot of times what, you know, what they're buying is they're, they're, they're buying the man that's selling the lure. You know, do you trust the man? that he's uh competent to produce it use a good base that'll get it to hold up and uh and i'm standing there i mean i i i'm honest with guys i try and help them the most i can and uh i don't my thing is i'm not going to just sell somebody a bottle of lure and not help them you know i mean that's when i got into this my dad told me he says uh you know don't make the mistake that i made because i was more secretive back then and uh you know, if you're going to do this, what you got to do is you got to help people and tell them everything you know. And I, and I and I followed that and I took that to heart. And you know, that's why I help people on YouTube and you know Facebook, put up videos. And I don't and like I don't get on there and you know say, well, buy my death coyote gland, and that's the only way you can catch them. There's, I mean, these buildings are full of quality stuff. These guys have put their whole lives into. Yeah. I mean, they got quality stuff. Mine is not the only quality stuff, but I am one that will if you got by my stuff and are doing it and, I, and if somebody calls me up and says i can't catch a coyote 
I just tell them, you know, how I do it, and I don't even ask them what lure on Facebook. You know, there's not one person that can say, well, I asked Jeff for help, and he asked me, did you use my lure? I never do that. I just, you know, I'm just helping guys. I mean, like I tell them in my demos, you, you the trappers are my people, and, uh, you know, good or bad, you guys are all I got, so yeah. I got, you know, we got to be there for each other, you know. I mean, they are my tribe, you know. Yeah, I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a bow hunter. I got no interest in it. I don't care about that, but. You know, trappers are my people. There you go. It's one of the the funny things that, that actually surprised me when we started the trapping show was we did have people come up to us and say, you know, you're giving away all those secrets. Why are you giving away the secrets? And my response to them was, well, whose secret is it? And why should it be a secret? Yeah. I, I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the secrecy thing. The, uh, the thing is, is... Uh if if people are gonna if people are successful they're gonna stay more into something than if they're unsuccessful oh and uh you know and the thing is is if you want to keep all the trapping secrets you you can take it right to the grave of the trappers that's right yeah we won't have any more yep so you can either help people and have them be successful or we just won't be doing this anymore because if there is nobody then you know i mean if the numbers get too small and we can't fight then you know we need especially with declining numbers you know the associations every time that there's a declining price uh you know the the associations go down in numbers in in the you know in as members so we need to keep replenishing that with uh you know new people that are interested and you know what i mean if the adult is struggling, there's no way he teaches the kid. No, you know, and that's and the kids are our future. Yep. Uh, and it's it's been a bad thing to see over over the recent years is that there's getting to be a lot more with white in their beard like me than there there yep. than there are with fresh face, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> yep. But at this, like at the NTA here, I mean, there's there's been quite a few kids, you know. I yeah. mean, and they and that's a good thing is is a lot of the associations have realized that. You know, you got to have stuff for the kids to do, and uh, you they, like here they got the kids events going on all day, and you know, and uh, like I say, a lot of them people coming. I mean, they're not even trappers; just nope. you know, they're just up here on vacation in the UP and having to stumble. I mean, they might think this is an arts fair, you know. I mean, <laughs> we don't know what's going on. Let's go over and check out. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's good though. I mean, I, I like that. And I, I like the kids. I got lots of time for for kids and. The, the great thing about kids is that there's no deceit there. No, you know they're they're being straight up and yeah. honest. And how anybody could be deceitful to a child, I I don't understand. N- no, I'm I'm big into the kids. I'm not big in because my thing is is I'm a Christian. Um, I'm not the greatest Christian on earth. You know I'm you know none of us pr- are. No, you know, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I you know I, I could do things a lot better. But I go on a biblical term of you know you don't have to have uh, where somebody has to know what you're doing all the time. And uh, when I'm helping kids, I'll, a lot of times I'll just say, you know, I don't tell, you know, this is just between us, you know. And uh, But I, I have a real soft spot for kids and trapping. And yeah. uh, so, you know, I don't do a lot like uh, necessarily with, with, you know, the NTA here or something, but on my own on Facebook and, you know, and dealing with them at conventions and stuff, I got a real soft spot for kids trapping and I try and help. But, uh, you know, I don't you know go out and try and promote or you know nothing like that because that ain't what it's for so well part of it is too though and i mean i maybe the same way for you but for me uh trapping is uh you know having it having the tv program and that trapping is is kind of a business but it's also a very public thing and when i actually 
get time to go on my own trapline and that that's i like taking my grandkids and and that kind of thing because that's very personal time then right yeah and i can't think of better better people to spend with no. than, than family well that's uh like uh, I get people ask me about taking private instruction and stuff, and yes. I just I just don't get into that um, no. because it's like I go to the conventions and I'm dealing with uh, you know trappers all year, and that's like just my time. Yep. And uh, even like you said, you know, I I ta- um, as my granddaughter is really into getting into the trapping, and uh, you know, I, I like to have that time with her. And she's in school, so it's limited. I'm out trapping anyways, but. You know, uh, it, the day that she could go would be the day that I'd be scheduling something. Right. And, uh, and, and going, and I traveled all over trapping my whole life. I'd go to, you know, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, Georgia, uh, Arizona. You know, so I've been all over trapping. And, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't there uh, when my kids were growing up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, missed out on a lot because of the lifestyle that I chose to live. And, um, you know, I'm not going to do that with the grandkids. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I got them right out there and, you know, and look, my daughter traps and stuff. I mean, she's, you know, go out there and keep her own. Oh, yeah. You know. and, and, and as my wife says, the best thing about grandkids is they go home. <laughs> yeah. That, that, you know what? When I was walking down through here yesterday with my granddaughter, we go down there and we got, uh, what did she buy? Oh, she wanted, uh, we, I said, well, let me walk down here. I'm going to buy a Diet Coke. And she goes, oh, I want ice cream. I said, all right. So I go down and, uh, said, uh. She goes, well, I really want some cotton candy. I says, hey, I'm grandpa. We're not limited just to one candy thing. <laughs> yeah, so we got the got her ice cream and the cotton candy. But she, uh, you know, she was the thing is, is you would get them kids raised into that. Like uh, she wanted to go buy uh, a couple weasels, you know, one for her brother that isn't here. And so we went down to her buyer and bought her weasel. And then she wanted to buy her, her mom a coyote. So we went down and she's. She's only six years old, just a little cutie, and she's walking right up, right through the middle of there, and she's got that coyote wrapped around. She's just trip tropping right down through town, oh. and, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know that's a good thing. Is, is I mean, all the, when she's coming down through there, all the trappers are so nice to her, and that's what I want is her to love this like I love it, and yeah. uh, because all my memories of going, I would get drugged to all these things, and at the time, I didn't appreciate uh how special that was yeah. but now looking back i do and i want her even though she won't appreciate this she will when she gets older so i i take pictures and put videos up with her and stuff and so you know it'll always be special to her but i want this to you know i, I appreciate the trappers how well they treat her you know? yeah and, and you're right when we had our children uh, of course we were raised in the north and i mean we we lived on on what we hunted and, and, and fished and, and that kind of stuff. And our kids did. And when we uh, had them, we didn't have money. We didn't have anything. We mm-hmm. had time. And our kids got all that time. So that meant, you know, camping every weekend, you know, when you'd get the weekends off from work and that kind of stuff, you'd be camping and all that. Our kids today want to spend all their time, you know, they come home to spend time with mom and dad. And they talk about all those camping trips, all that that, that stuff we did. Yeah. And... Now we're we're getting to do the same thing with our, our grandchildren. Those that there's it's impossible to put a value on that time and the difference you're making in that kid's life. Yeah. And you don't even know you're doing it. No. You know? No. I remember my, my And the thing is is that might not uh have a payoff for thirty, forty years, you know. Because uh you know, I mean that that but you know, you 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 just put the gold in the sock and just 
you know, keep putting the more gold in the sock and, you know, it'll pay off. Well, you know, I look at it now. My kids are all in their 30s. They're all good kids. They all got good jobs. They're all married. They all, they've all got kids of their own. Those grandkids are good kids. I think I'm seeing the payoff. Yep, yep, you definitely are. I know I'm I'm seeing the payoff too. So yeah, you know, but uh, that's how I I was raised is you know going to muzzleloading shoots and you know and doing all that stuff and you know I mean uh, that's that's why I'm sitting here made me the person I am today. You know. Well, I, I'm sure it is. You I'm know? sure it is. And and the fact I think for us the overwhelming thing was that all we had to give those kids was time. Yeah. So we spent all our time with them. We used to joke about. How, uh, you know, at one point there was five kids in the house, just two of them paid for the mortgage. You know what I mean? We, we, <laughs> yeah, were, we were young. Yeah, yeah. We were young. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Sandy and I have been, been married 40 years now. So, I mean, we, 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 were, we were busy. But I think that a lot more people could, could uh, whatever pastime it is, whether it's trapping or whatever, but if they spent more time with their kids, I think the world would be different. Yeah. Today. Oh, they definitely would. They definitely would. Yeah. But, uh yeah, you were right about one thing. Grandkids are are better than having kids. I don't know how you could do the one without the other, but but no, they. Uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty blessed. I got uh, two two awesome daughters. Uh, one doesn't trap, but uh, she's fully supportive of it. And uh, and uh, the other one, uh, she's here today, and uh, she's fully involved in the business. Uh, you know, and. Um, She's working. While we're sitting here, she's working my booth. And uh, there you go. I mean, I, I I put her up against just about anybody. I mean, she's pretty hardcore on the trap, and she loves it. She uh, she's a she's a good kid. Well, that's good. So tell me about Jeff the Trapper. What's your animal? What's your set? What, what what's well, your favorite? Well, in my mind's eye, right now, my uh, the animal that's on my brain is uh living in fairbanks alaska area and it's a, a black silver fox oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but i haven't caught one yet but uh i seen his tracks and I, i'll be after him but uh right when i was growing up uh i don't you know like i say the cultures are different that we both grew up in probably mm-hmm. uh you know we have generalities but uh the culture is probably a little bit different on what your heroes trapped and what mine uh mine was mink yeah and, you know uh there was big the guys I idolized were all mink trappers, and I, I wanted to beat them so bad. You know, I'm just, you know, a kid, uh, 15, 16 years old, and I was setting mink traps, and they're catching 100 mink a year, and I'm getting 16. Yeah. Which, looking back on, I mean, that was pretty good, you know. I was beating a lot of the guys, just not the guys I wanted to beat, you right, know. And, right. uh, um, you know, and uh, I ended up beating them because they got old, and I was still young, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, God kind of worked it out that way, but yeah. – uh, you know, I mean, that was, they were a World War II generation guys, and they were, you know, I mean, they were tough men, and uh, come through, you know, they were, they they learned how to make trap when, uh, you know, they they had to have that money f- to survive on, so, I mean, they they, they had her all figured out, and. Uh, That's right, it, it was it was different men in the times when that yeah. was, that was the livelihood. Yeah, yeah. You know, so today, what is, what is the animal that uh, you were you most uh, interested in today, or, or trying to learn the most about? in trapping um i would say the you know uh today i always love being in the water and stuff but i would say that uh you know uh learning about coyotes would be you know the main thing especially like in the snow um because you can learn so much more in the snow and uh when you're out out setting traps on dry ground um you know you can have a false sense uh some people say lie to yourself about what's going on 
but the snow on the tracks don't lie what's happening absolutely so um i i like to i like to learn um i'm not somebody that thinks they they know it all i've done a lot you know in, in you know trapping but uh uh it seems like the more that i learn or the more that i learn is i really don't know the animals as well as i thought i knew and it seems that that seems to be an age thing too. I think when you get older, the the you know, the arrogance seems to go away, and your mind kind of clears a little bit. And I uh, now I'm just more concerned about going out there and learning animals, and you know, just uh, like enjoying myself out there. You I, know? I think Mark Twain said it best. He said, "When he was 18, his dad was the dumbest man on the face of the earth." By the time he turned 21, he couldn't believe how much his old man had learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I, I, I'm the same way. Uh, I know that I, I, just, I say this to my wife all the time. We'd be talking about, you know, the grandkids will have a sniffle or whatever. And I says, you know, I said, thank God we had kids when we did. Because I said, we knew everything. We were never worried. Yeah. I said, today I would be, every time they sneezed, I'd have them off at the hospital, yeah. right? You know? yeah. <laughs> we were bulletproof back yeah. then. I told my daughter, I said, uh, I had her look at her, her daughter was about four years old, my granddaughter, and I says, uh, do you think that she knows as much as you do? And she goes, well, no, she doesn't. I says, the difference between you and her is the difference between me and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very valid point. <laughs> you know, she, she didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the thing about, about coyotes and, and uh uh, and about canines, I think they're probably amongst the most analytical of, of the animals. As close as, as an animal can come to analyzing anything, they probably just have more instinct. I mean, I, I know with a lot of a lot of the studies that have done but with wolves and that, they, they're not so much learning from people as they're keying off the way the person's behaving. Yeah. When they've, they've been doing studies with, with uh, wolves in, in uh, enclosures, that kind of stuff. It's amazing how much they can uh, figure out what's going on just by the way the person's behaving. You know when they should go near a bait or not not go near a bait that kind of stuff. So with that's the one thing that I have learned with with canines over time is that if you follow him around long enough, you'll eventually understand why he turned there or or, or crossed on his trail. Uh, the one animal that's not that way for me has been lynx, mm-hmm. and I had uh, our uh, recent, most recent trap line now we've had for five years had a lot of links on it. I didn't have a lot of experience with links until this, this trap line. And you take and uh, I'd go out there and it'd be so frustrating because they would walk by. I, w- I might have uh, eight, nine walk-bys in, in a day. You know, they'd walk right by my, my set and, and not even look. I couldn't even prove that they'd even look sideways at it. I went and talked to an old buddy, an old trapper, and he says, you know, well, you know how everything that a canine does makes sense after a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm eating this all up, right? Yep. He says, with the lynx, he says, just think of a stoned, stoned out old hippie wandering through the bush. <laughs> <laughs> he says, the only thing you can do, he says, if they've been there once, they're probably going to be there again, set up there. He says, you, there's nothing you can do to bring them to the area or figure out where they're going to be. But he says, uh, you have to make sure that you have the lure and the bait that can close the deal when they do show up. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference. Uh, we lump... Uh Predators, like we were talking, even at the convention, you lump uh, all predators, uh, you know, red fox, gray fox, uh, coyotes, bobcats. You know, I never trapped lynx, um, but I'm sure that that'd be the same thing, uh, you know, to get lumped into one. But uh, a coyote, you know, there's all different characteristics in all them animals, even though we lump them all together. You know, there's a lot of common bonds, but there's also a lot of uh, things that are so much different. It's like in our area, and I don't lump 
where a Coyote's a Coyote no matter where he's standing. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the environment that they're in changes them on uh, how they react to stuff. And uh, and the reason that I say that is is if you got one that's in a trap, you kiss him on the lips, and I'll kiss the one that was hand-raised on the lips, yeah. and we'll compare lips and <laughs> yeah. see, you know, who was right. So I think that they uh, – you know that they they change with the environment, um, and uh, and even uh, you know with a bobcat or a, a coyote in our area that they react to. Uh, if you put like a, a bait out in the winter time, if if you or even in the fall, if you put that bait out for coyotes, you, you better set on it then because them coyotes might come in and eat it. They'll hit that bait and they'll eat on it, and they might not never come back absolutely where, where that that cat will come in there get a full belly go over there and lay down and maybe he'll make a pass around somewhere but he's going to come back and hit that you're going to kill that cat if he hits that bait once you're going to kill that cat or at least have a shot at him that ain't so with a coyote and you, another thing too is is the volume of bait you've got there when we set up for wolves um takes i mean you set up you, you usually find a roadkill moose and, and that's that's the basis of your of your bait but as soon as I, I pull that in and set it up, I set snares on it right away. And just by guessing where they're going to travel, you know, taking a look at the travel corridors, that kind of stuff. Best thing I found that you could do is to be down on, on your knees and take a look around, right? Yep. But if you don't set on those when they when you first uh, put the bait in place, you're going to miss out. They're going to yep. come come through once. They're going to clean out the clean out all the bait and be gone. And they yep. may not come back that winter. Yep, yep. You know, so I mean, it, you you have to take advantage of that. So so things, you know, the animals are different. Uh, even though there are a lot, like I say, a lot of characteristics the same, they are, you know, a lot different. So we've covered your your trapping. We've tra covered your granddaughter. We've covered uh, uh, lures and that. What else did you? Do? Oh, we covered the most important things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been blessed to be on uh, F and T show. Um, you know. Uh, it's on the Pursuit channel. Um, they can check that out. Um, I've been real blessed to be on that. Uh, it's been a, a good adventure. It's a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, it's an experience that I never thought I would have to, you know, be on a national TV show. And um, they can also check me out on Facebook. You know, I got uh, Dunlap Lures, Trapping Talk, uh, you know, and there's thousands of years of experience on there. Yeah. And a lot of good, lot of good trappers. Your website is? No website. No website. No, I don't. I don't sell retail. Oh, um, okay. Because uh, I don't have the time to trap. <clears throat> I don't have the time to trap and sell retail. So I sell wholesale to, and let uh, the other dealers sell them. I send everybody to, you know, F and T, Minnesota Trap Line, anybody at WCS, Schmidt Enterprises. You know, and there's multiple ones that handle my stuff. And uh, so you know, all. Just put it this way: all the better dealers handle yeah. the yeah, lappers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I got bright yellow labels, so you can't confuse it. You know, and you, I I got names like Hellfire and Cryptic and Death and you know. I was just gonna say know. that Sandy and I wandered around. And I says, "Man, I says Lure Maker's got the best imagination when it comes yeah, to names." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I just you know I'm not into selling the the retail because I you know it's hard. You can't do everything, and uh. You know, trapping's my passion. That's why I, I uh, you know, do this, do the lure making and the conventions because I, I love the trap and that's where it all stems from. And I ain't giving that up. No, no. You know? I mean, priorities, right? Yep. Priorities. Yep. Yep. Well, it has been a pleasure 
to to talk to you, get to know you a little bit. I'm sure we're going to talk lots more in the future. I'm sure we will. (laughs) And I, I thank you for taking the time with us today. All right. Thank you for having me. Take care.